You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Our ultimate crossover series continues today with the Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay's biggest challenge to the crown in the NFC North this past season and likely the biggest challenger to their crown in 2020. But they have a major salary cap problem. They are already over the cap. They've got decisions to make. There are Stephon Diggs trade rumors And some of their big-name players could either be traded or cut to make room, by the way, for a quarterback contract that I'm not sure anyone thinks was a great decision. So we're going to get to all of that. What are they going to do this offseason? What options do they have to try and get this team, which may be the most talented in the NFC North, to be playing like a team worthy of that talent? As we approach free agency... There has been a lot of discussion about Green Bay's options in the draft and what they're going to do in free agency. And one of the things that I often espouse as I look at roster building in the offseason is that free agency informs the draft and the options in free agency inform the the value of the players that a given team is picking in the draft. And of course, I still believe that. But when you look at Brian Gutekind's track record, I wonder if we're thinking about this in the wrong kind of way. Two years ago, he goes out and does what I think a lot of people considered overspend for Tremont Williams. Paid him more than he was likely to get on the market, but he was more than just a player, more than just a cornerback for the Packers. He was going to be a leader. He was going to be a culture and tone setter for the Green Bay Packers, and that made him Worth it. By the way, he was one of the best slot corners in the league last year. Now, at the time, it would have been easy to say, okay, it's now less likely that they make a big move at corner in the draft. Now, maybe less so because Tremont Williams, no one expected to be the kind of future at the position, the every down player for the next five, eight years. Okay. But they go into the draft and with the first two picks, draft cornerbacks. This next offseason with Brian Gutekinds, everyone understood Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, this team needed to upgrade the pass rush. They go out and they spend enormous amounts of money on the Smith brothers, Zadarius and Preston Smith. And so going into the draft, it was, do they draft a receiver? Do they take uh, a safety? Oh, wait, they're not going to take a safety. They just spent money on Adrian Amos. And yet, Brian Gutekinds with the 12th overall pick, a premium draft pick, takes Rashawn Gary 
an edge rusher. He moves up from the 30th pick, gives up draft capital to move up and take a safety. And then so with the second round pick, of course, he's going to address the receiver position. He's going to take a tight end. He's going to find a pass catcher. No, he took a center who was going to play guard after going out in free agency and paying top dollar for a guard. It didn't seem as though the the positional value mattered to Brian Gutekind so much as addressing a specific area of need. He felt like the pass rush needed help, so he went and got help, free agency and the draft. And so when we think about what they can do in free agency, they don't really have the financial capital to go out and make a splash like a Zadarius or Preston Smith. Right now, they're projected in that $22, $23 million range in terms of salary cap room. If you cut Jimmy Graham, that saves $8 million. You cut Lane Taylor, that, that saves $4 million. Okay, now you're in the mid-30s. Maybe you can rework Kenny Clark's deal when you get an extension done and lower the number, which is set to be in the $7 million range. Almost eight, in fact, $7.69 million. If you reduce that number, that gives you a little bit extra flexibility, but you've got to re-sign Mason Crosby, assuming that's something you want to do. He got $4 million per year last contract. Maybe you give him three because he's a little bit older, but that's still real money. That's basically the Lane Taylor savings. If you want to re-sign Brian Bulaga, there goes the $8 million that you just saved by cutting Jimmy Graham. And so now you're left with this low 20s amount of money. And so that takes someone like Corey Littleton and basically says, if he's going to cost $15 million, he is out of the question. There just isn't enough money because Green Bay is going to want to address linebacker and receiver and maybe some other positions of need. Maybe they want to add in other areas. It, it hurts your roster flexibility to go about it that way. Maybe that takes them out of the running for a Robbie Anderson, someone who's going to cost upwards of 10, 11, 12 million dollars. Emmanuel Sanders, 10 plus million dollars. Maybe they have to go bargain basement hunting in free agency. Well, if they have to do that, then certainly those moves will be short term or band aid type moves. They will not be paradigmatic shifts. At the position. And even when we thought Brian Gudikin set about to make such a shift with the edge rush, he went into the draft and spent a premium draft pick on a pass rusher. So while I think it is important for us to look at what the Packers do in free agency and say, okay, now this is the team they'll take into the draft, and we have to reallocate value based on opportunity, based on need, based on roster composition, based on expected opportunities, and and based on the talent in this draft. All of that stuff matters, but if they don't add any impact players, it really doesn't matter what they do in free agency. If they bring back Brian Bulaga, they still need a long-term solution at right tackle. If they bring in uh, 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 Brashad Perriman, They still need a long-term solution as a secondary pass catcher. If they bring in some sort of, you know, bargain defensive lineman, they still need that third starter along the defensive line. And maybe even you can argue a second starter to upgrade, 
next to Kenny Clark, if Montrevious Adams, if Kingsley Kiki can't take over that responsibility because Dean Lowry is not really an interior player. When they go to those two defensive linemen looks, it's usually Clark and Lancaster, Clark and Adams, Clark and Kiki. That's not where Dean Lowry is at his best. And in some ways, it might even tip Brian Gutekunst's hand. Because if he goes out and spends in free agency, at least his history of the last two years says he deems that a position of such great need that they may have to not only spend money but spend draft capital on the problem because he's done that each of the last two off-seasons. This is a draft that is deep in receiver talent but not in linebacker talent. Same problem with free agency. Not a great linebacker free agency. They may have to explore both avenues. And so signing a linebacker certainly will not preclude them from drafting one. And given the cost, given the potentially prohibitive cost of a receiver, signing one, if they do so, will likely come on the lower end, which will inherently not preclude them from drafting with a high pick, potentially, a pass catcher to be the true heir apparent. And even with Bulaga, even with Mason Crosby, if they bring those guys back, it will not stop them from feeling like, prudently so, I believe, that the draft offers long-term solutions to those problems and long-term solutions potentially worth exploring. And if not everything for you is long-term in the bedroom, BlueChew.com can help. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence you need in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code locked on. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Okay, everybody, we are here for day three of the Ultimate Division crossover. I'm Luke Braun with Locked On Vikings. I'm here with Lauren Cox, Matt Derry, Peter Bukowski, all of my favorite NFC North Division rivals. And we're talking about the Vikings today. The Vikings season was a a familiar-ish story. They had offensive line issues. We have more Kirk Cousins debates coming in. Uh, But really, it was also characterized by a regression in the secondary. And it looks like things there are going to get worse before they get better with a bunch of contracts expiring and guys getting old and expensive and maybe cap casualties. So really, I want to start, though, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and I kind of want to talk to uh, Peter here because the Packers and Vikings ran the same scheme, and that scheme was solved in the same way by the same team. Our seasons ended the same way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I guess, what do you see as the differences between the way the Packers do it and the way the Vikings do it and the differences in the way that we're going to have to attack things going into the offseason? Well, it's interesting, too, because it wasn't even necessarily just the way that the 49ers uh, took care of the Packers and Vikings defensively in the second half. The Packers did the same thing to us, too. The Packers and 49ers took us down the same way. In the second half, the, the, the Niners just ran over the Vikings. And for four quarters, the Niners ran over the Packers. So it is interesting that though there is that symmetry in offense... It was ultimately a failure to to attack the 49ers defensively in in the same sorts of ways that led to both teams losing in the playoffs. 
it is interesting because the the intent of these two offenses is so different. The Vikings want to be a run-focused team with the outside zone and get the ball to Dalvin Cook as much as possible and then create those shot plays. The Packers want to mix it up a little bit more. They're much more pass-heavy on early downs. It's something that I would love to see the Vikings do if I were in charge of the Vikings, but as someone who covers this from a Packers standpoint, I would love to see the Vikings continue to play offense the way that they are. <laughs> it, is, it is a, a weird thing for me because – I look at this Vikings team and I just see talent or at least investment in talent everywhere. And it's, so it's like, okay, how do you wait? How do we identify the places where they need to add talent? Because they have talent, but right now that's all it is. It's talent is just is, or the, the, the phrase that I like to, to use is that potential is, is unrealized talent. Once it becomes realized, we just call them good players. We don't say talent. We don't say potential. And it seems like the Vikings have a lot of talented players with potential Whereas they need to get better play out of some of those guys. And that includes star players like Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, well, they got guys that are getting old, too. You know, uh, Lindahl yeah. Joseph seemed to hit a little bit of an age, an age slowdown. Uh, and and I, especially in that San Francisco game and especially against the Packers and teams that have run on him, you know, Lindahl Joseph had a number of, of bad games. Xavier Rhodes had a terrible season. And he has a contract that makes him a possible cap casualty. So if you're looking for an influx of veteran talent into your secondary, that's somebody that doesn't cost you a compensatory pick or anything like that. Uh, so there's all kinds of conversations with that because the Vikings are in this terrible cap situation and they need to find a way to get younger and cheaper without getting too much worse. And a lot of that ha means that some of these defensive stars that were just unilaterally good players might have to leave. And now you have to go back to getting people who are like hopefully guys that have uh, potential. Um, but so, you know, when the Vikings played, they haven't beaten the Bears in, in two years, like I said on yesterday's show. And so I, I think right now, and the Vikings went two and four in this division, and I think that's their focus is how do you do better in the division? Because you can't go two and four in the division and hope to win it. So I guess, Lauren, what is your, like, perception of these last couple of Viking uh, Viking seasons, because every time they go up against the Chicago Bears, they lay an egg. Well, I think part of it has just been a combination of, I guess, Vikings poor timing and, and Bears good luck as far as the 2019 season. You know, early on, like you had kind of talked about, it was pretty much the worst of the, the Vikings that they had that season. But it was also a time when Inadvertently, it happened to be Mitchell Trubisky being injured and Chase Daniel getting to run the Bears offense against the Vikings. And lo and behold, things went a little bit more smoothly all around. I mean, the running game still wasn't quite where they wanted it to be. And obviously, Tr Chase Daniel is a limited quarterback, but things went a little bit more smoothly in that game. And then they played the Vikings back up at the end of 2019. And then, you know, the 2018 Bears team had a, was just sort of a different animal when it came to the defense really playing well and taking so much of that pressure off of the offense. So I don't really feel like it was anything the Bears were doing specifically or anything the Vikings were, were not doing specifically. I mean, they even in some of those games this year, the, the Vikings were still getting pressure after the quarterback, but it just, for whatever reason, kind of like what Peter was talking about with, with talent versus potential, it's like it just wasn't quite all lining up for the Vikings the way it needed to. And I think maybe that's part of why there were at least rumblings about whether or not Mike Zimmer would be on the hot seat or if even a disappointing playoff loss would lead to his firing and of course now the Vikings change offensive coordinators I can see where there could be some some coaching changes and maybe things just get shored up a little bit more and, and that could be all the difference against the Bears yeah it's interesting because they really made their coaching decisions you know they had to replace Kevin Stefanski who's uh 
coaching the Bears now, and they also lost George Edwards. Their defensive coordinator didn't renew his contract. They lost the defensive backs coach. And the way that they replaced all of those holes was really like geared toward uh, not having any sort of uh, like the the least turnover possible. You know, they just wanted to keep continuity as much as possible. They promoted Gary Kubiak to offensive coordinator. So they're not going to change anything from the way that they coach. And so if things do go south, then you're cleaning house, right? Because you went, nope, we're doubling down on this formula. And if that backfires, it, it all blows up. Um, but I, I want to talk to Matt about that, too, because there were some other like sacrificial lamb goings on over there in Detroit. And of course, you know, in the two games, uh, Detroit just kind of seemed like they fell completely flat against the Vikings. I mean, they played them tough for like one half of the first game in Ford Field and then completely fell flat in, in 2019. So what was your perception of the Vikings and, um, you know, how they differ from a team that is in the the situation that the Lions are in. Are they headed that way? Or uh, do you see them as somebody that can kind of pull out of it without hitting that three and 13? We're picking third overall and hope and, and arguing about the quarterback situation. I, I really like where Minnesota is and, and, and you know, with the Lions, I, I do see them as being better as we talked about the other day. But, you know, if you watch Daniil Hunter and Kyle Rudolph against Detroit, and just watch them in those games. Those two are are, are damn Hall of Famers. And, and Daniel Hunter may end up being there. I don't know about Rudolph, but for some odd reason against probably the not. <laughs> Kyle Rudolph is unbelievable against Detroit. Uh, that that's the thing again when we talk Detroit and we talk Minnesota is the identity. And I mentioned this a little bit the other day. I love how the Vikings get after you defensively, and, and the guys that they've had whether it's Hunter or, or whether it's Everson Griffin or whether it's Harrison Smith, those are, those are franchise game changers year in and year out. Uh, your linebacking core with Kendricks, I mean, those guys year in and year out are really, really good football players that you don't have to worry about. And that's the question that you ask in Detroit is who are those guys not named maybe Darius Slay. So the Vikings having that identity under Zimmer and like you mentioned, going through some different things. I'll be interested in seeing what the offense looks like because I thought Kevin Stefanski really got Kirk Cousins to play at a high level this year. And I'm not saying it's all Stefanski, but I think that would be a concern for Vikings fans listening is, okay, how do they turn the page? I know it's Kubiak, and, and he's done well for years as a coordinator, but I thought they had something really good with that play-action pass game with Cousins and Cook, uh, Madison when he was in the game. And you know, I would hope that Kubiak would not change much and, and, and run that Stefanski system because I, I think Minnesota's got something good going right now. I, I hope you're right about that. Uh, we got more coming up all throughout the week here on the Ultimate Division Crossover. All right, fascinating discussion there centered around the Minnesota Vikings. Green Bay's biggest rival at this moment in time. Their biggest threat in the NFC North and a team that I know a lot of Packer fans did not want to see in the NFC playoffs this past January it was a team that the Packers beat twice in the regular season, once in convincing fashion, and once in halfway impressive fashion. I mean, Green Bay was up 21-0 in that Vikings game. They hold on to win 21-16, and it was a game that that certainly felt closer at times, but that never really felt out of the hands of the Green Bay Packers, though it was indeed a one-score game. But the Vikings have much bigger problems this offseason to try and put together. I mean, they've got they've got money issues. They've got roster talent issues. How do you upgrade an offensive line when you have no money to spend? And the draft pr- provides a very hit-or-miss process with offensive linemen, especially ones ready to play right out of school. The Vikings have issues. 
And I would say their issues right now, although their roster talent at certain positions is excellent, I would say that their glaring issues, particularly if they have to start shedding salary, becomes much more problematic for them and their long-term future than for the Packers. So just just something to keep in mind here as we go through the offseason. They could be cutting players that Green Bay has interest in. I don't think they would ever trade Stephon Diggs to Green Bay, but maybe the Packers feel like, hey, if we if we offer them the most in a, in a trade, they would do it. I don't I don't know if that's true, but there could certainly be some big names who get the axe in Minnesota who would have interest in playing in Green Bay and, and in whom Green Bay would also have interest. So just something to monitor as we move forward here. The best part is tomorrow we're going to be talking about the Packers, so you will get input from Locked on Bears, Locked on Lions, and Locked on Vikings about this team, what they saw this past season, and what they see moving forward. So that'll be a fun show and then a full discussion about the whole division coming on Friday a full Friday show for you in that regard. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.